Welcome to the Concrete Podcast, where we talk all things concrete. Featuring your host, Brandon Gore. Welcome to the Concrete Podcast. My name is Brandon Gore. I'm your host, joined by my co-host, John Schuler. Good afternoon, John. Yeah, good afternoon. Good to, you know, good to talk again. Yeah, so we um, had a little conversation earlier, and you've been in contact with some guys today, and a theme has kind of come about that we want to talk about, and that is burnout. Guys getting burned out on the concrete trade or yeah, whatever it may out, be. So out what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, right. You and me have definitely talked about it over the years. You know, you kind of put your nose to the grindstone and before you know it, you know, it's God, if I see one more countertop or if you produce one more of this look or one more, you know, ramp sink, how do you break out of your funk? How do you, how do you move to another level? How do you introduce something new? How do you, you know, stay motivated in what we're doing? That's a theme that's been hit pretty hard just today. Two phone calls from two artisans. So do you want to answer that question? Well, I think you and me both have different, and I'm interested to hear who we talked to today, kind of interested to see what he does, right? I mean, how did you do it, Brandon? I mean, we go through, I mean, everybody goes through it, right? Um, When you go through it, what steps did you find that helped you either achieve a new level or just break out of the doldrums? Well, John, I'm glad you asked. That's a good question. There you go. Look, look at this. We're interviewing each other. I love it. Uh-huh. Um, so how I have gotten through those times of, of uh, just complacency and kind of stagnation is, for instance, hard goods was – my answer to that. So I had been doing Gore Design Company from 2004 to 2012, so eight years. And in that time period, I became known for sinks. And all I did was sink, sink after sink after sink after sink. And it was getting very monotonous and very repetitive and just not fulfilling. And so I was in the shower and I had this idea for a chair. I could see it in my mind. And I came into the shop and I drew it full scale on a piece of MDF. And I had a guy working for me, Christian, and I said, we're going to build this. I don't care about the client work. For the next week, let's just work on this. And so we started building a form, made the fiberglass mold, the whole thing, did it, welded up the base, put it together. I never even sat in this thing before we built. I mean, it was done before I sat in it. We didn't do any mock-ups or tests or anything. Got it done. Loved it. Loved it. I was like, Yes. I didn't do it for anybody. I didn't do it for a client. I did it for myself. And we ended up taking that chair to dwell on design that year. Last second, uh, essentially somebody canceled. We had reached out to dwell about doing a possible booth, but it was like 10,000 bucks or something. And they contacted me and said, hey, we just had somebody cancel. You can have the space for 500 bucks, but you have to be here like in a day, essentially. Yeah, right on. So I wasn't ready for it. I didn't have anything. I had two chairs that I had made at that point. I didn't have collateral, like brochures, business cards, anything. I didn't even have a website set up for hard goods. Essentially, I just had the name, the logo, and these two chairs. But I threw them in my truck, drove to LA, set up at Dwell, 
And that year we won best furniture design of 2012 from 12 based on those two chairs. Where I'm going with this is that was something that I did for myself and it was exciting and it was something that I enjoyed as a personal project. And that got me out of the funk. Right. So, you know, and I've kind of gone through that again. I have a whole new line of furniture that I've been working on for now going on three years whenever I have time. But every time I get into it, I really enjoy it. And so that's kind of a side project. And someday I'll release this collection of really sculptural, fluid furniture that I've been working on for all this time. But it's kind of my side project that I work on in between other projects. And it kind of keeps me excited and, you know, just looking forward to to concrete steel where I'm not kind of dreading going into the shop. Yeah, there you go. Well, and, and I'm just paraphrasing. At least what I'm listening to sounds exactly or along the lines that, that I do. And that is you do whatever it takes, how do I say, to, to break out of your comfort zone. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, stepping on glass, if you will. I do that a lot with sealer when I'm designing sealers. I get a hold of a raw material manufacturer I haven't worked with. We, I end up talking to one of their chemists who, you know, works what? or try to sculpt something. Stepping on glass. Industry. Stepping on no, glass. It, you mean stepping on hot coals? Well, or, well, I'm just saying, you're, so your comfort zone, you know what I mean? Something that, you know, it's, uh, let's say, emotionally punishing glass? to you. Who I walks on glass? glass? Nobody walks on All glass. Right, cool. no, no, you might walk on Legos. You, you probably go. walk on Legos. <laughs> yeah. You're not walking on glass. Nobody walks go. on glass. Where, um, where do you I'll get these sayings Legos. from? Stay, yeah. I'll stay with Legos. Okay. And then, so what you're describing, I went through. I don't know if you remember years ago, Brandon, but I used to do all the, um, you know, the colors, the veining, the the modeling of colors and all that kind of stuff. In fact, I can remember one of the artisans out there who once posted on those old forums we had way back when that, you know, why was I trying to make concrete look like stone because of what I was doing? And then one day, this is, I can't remember how long ago, but per what you're saying, I decided one day I was just tired of creating those looks. I was, I was tired of it. I didn't want to see one more. I had gotten very, very good at it, but it was time to break out. So I literally, my brother was working with me at the time. I shut our shop down completely and said, hey, we're going to start looking at it from this direction, which was all upright casting. And we're going to focus on the tooling and figure out how do we create something beyond what other people essentially were moving, you know, a, a, a driveway or a walkway up to somebody's countertops. And that was what we did. And it got exciting again. And I had no idea if anybody would like it. <laughs> I just, you know, I wanted to break out of that humdrum and that's what we did. And now we've taken it a, an entirely different direction. So that, that awesome. was my way of breaking out. Yeah. So that's one thing that I've done and something you've done. The other thing that I've done, which we touched on with Jess Warren that he brought up, is an exercise where I do a design each day, a design a day. You know, get get a notebook and every day take 10 minutes to sketch out something. And it's good for a couple of reasons. A, the more creative you force yourself to be, the more creative you become because it's a discipline, it's repetitiveness, it gets you in that mindset. Second of all, it increases your sketching ability. The more you sketch, the better you get, the better you get at being able to convey ideas on paper, which is good when yeah, you're trying to explain it to a, to a client or to the guys that work with you. Hey, this is what we're doing. 
and you can draw it out. You know, over the years, I've gotten way better at, at that versus when I first started because I, I spent time doing it. And lastly, at some point, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. And at some point, you're going to have all these kind of bad ideas, but you're going to land on a good idea. And so mm-hmm. I can flip through this book and I have all kinds of wild ideas. Some of them are great. A lot of them aren't, but it doesn't matter. They're just sketches. They're just ideas. But through that process, you'll come to a point that you have a really good idea and then you can get excited about that and then start expanding down that path, whatever it may be. Maybe it's planters. Maybe you come up with this really rad idea for a planter design and then you can expand on that and come out with a collection of planters and tables and what have you that all relate to that design. But that's that's the process. So doing that helps keep things fresh and exciting and again, looking forward to you know going to work each day. Right. That's actually for our conversation earlier today. That's what I was talking to one of the the guys up there in Michigan who's getting ready to go into shoulder surgery. By the way, who's also going through burnout right now. And he was he was like, John, what do I do for six weeks? You know, I'm like, and I literally brought up this example to him. Now I personally haven't done it, but I think it is a really really cool example of something all of us should be doing. And I'm going to start imploring it more. Is what you're just is to sit down and. Spend some time jotting this stuff down and see where it moves forward. I mean, that is not something I have I have done. So I'm actually excited to implement that a little bit moving forward and see where it goes. So sure. I think that's a good one. Yeah, I think that's a good one. What else? What else is new? Well, that was it. The other was, uh, like I said, you know, talking to Jason today is he's getting burned out because when he first started his business, I think he's only been in business a year or maybe it's been two years. He's been following a path based on training that he's taking at, that he has to take in at concrete design school. And at that time, super excited about these new things he learns. He went home, he implemented those things, started his business around it. And now he's, you know, found, I'm going to, in a funk where he is repeating what he's been doing over and over and over again, that he's really, that he's ready to challenge himself into something new. So that's what he was calling me about today and said, you know, what are some ideas? So I threw ideas across the table to him and, you know, how to break out of that end um, of the burnout, meaning not that he's burnt out on business by any stretch of the mains, but he's ready to start you know, following a, either a new style or his own style. So that that's always a good part of this conversation as well. Well, what's happened is he's he's really built his business around the dusty creed aesthetic, which is great. Yeah. But he's wanting to do something different or, like you said, make his own path. And now he's got these techniques figured out and he's good at them. Now he wants to kind of morph those into something uniquely him, which a lot of guys have done. They've gone to Dusty Creed's class. They go home, they get good at it, and then they tweak it and kind of start going their own way and developing their own specific look with that as the foundation. Now they have a whole new look that kind of puts them in a different class, you know, different. Yeah. And find that excitement again. Right. I mean, you know, so it's exciting again. Now you're starting to at least feel like you're carving your own path. And and that's where he was at and is at. Excuse me. I think one of the things that you probably discussed was maker mix. You can do Dusty Crete with it. I mean, Dusty's going through pallets, several pallets a month. 
to in Dusty Creek, but you can also use Maker Mix to do very clean modern finishes, to do upright cast hand-tooled finishes, to do sprayable finishes. Mm-hmm. You can use this amazing tool in your toolbox and and do anything you want to do. You're not stuck to just doing one look. Right, and that certainly was part of the conversation now that we're talking about okay. uh, Maker Mix. was, And that's other than the obvious, like, hey, John, what do I always do? It wasn't just that. I mean, he was calling me to say, what are other ways that I can use this material to achieve this, whatever it is he was trying to achieve? And that's really was the bones of it. He's actually, if not today, he was ordering another palette and some rad mix, ad mixture. And that's cool. what he was, what do I do now? Well, John, how, how can I adjust the fibers? What This is what I'm hoping to achieve. And, and so that's where I set him down a path to, you know, start carving his own way with, and for him, that's one of the major benefits is having that versatility. And once again, the knowledge behind the ability for that versatility by the people that are using, you know, the materials. So I have a couple things I want to discuss before we interview Edgar Martinez, who's going to be our guest today. The first thing on that list is we have a new website for Kodiak Pro getting ready to launch. Hopefully within the next week. Yeah, it's going to be really amazing. We've been working on this website now for months. And logistically, it's been a lot of moving parts, a lot of different coding and plugins and different things to get everything to work the way we want it to. But we're finally there and it's exciting. Be on the lookout, Kodiak Pro in the very near future is going to have a brand new website that's going to make the ordering experience a lot easier, more conducive, fluid, you know, all that kind of good stuff. Exactly. The yeah. second part of that is going to be freight. What we've experienced with Kodiak Pro so far is we're a small company. The freight companies view us as a very small fish and they don't give us very good pricing. And so when you buy Maker Mix and the freight carriers give us pricing, whether it's XBO, Old Dominion, RNL, whoever it is, that pricing is pretty high. And for some guys, that's kind of a shock when we get the freight invoice and we thought it's going to be 600 bucks and it's 1200 bucks, which just happened yesterday. That's kind of a shocking thing. What Joe Bates found out was he set up an account with eShipping.biz, B-I-Z, And he was able to get much better rates than what we were getting through our freight accounts, our corporate freight accounts. And so the direction we're going when a new website launches is when you place an order for Maker Mix, TBP, Rad Mix, pretty much all the stuff's going to be shipping direct from Springfield, Illinois. If you place an order, you're going to get a total weight of your shipment and directions on how to schedule your own freight. Some guys have freight brokers they have used in the past and they have accounts set up with those brokers. Great. You can call your broker, say, hey, I just placed an order. I have a pallet. It weighs 1,466 pounds. Here's the pickup address. You know, send me the BOL and then you can forward the BOL onto our contact. That's one way. The other way is you'd set up an e-shipping account, which will have very detailed instructions on how to do that. You'll set up an e-shipping account on your first order. And they have everything saved in the system for pickup address and contact and who to send the BOL to. And essentially from that point forward, anytime you buy Kodiak Pro products, you'll get this confirmation email with your weight. You'll call your account person at eShipping. Hey, 
I have a pickup, Kodiak Pro. Here's the weight. They have everything saved. You pay for the freight. They give you all your stuff. Bada bing, bada boom. It's on its way. There's two good things about that. The main thing is you get much better price than we can get. We've tried our hardest to get freight discounts with these carriers, and it's just not going to happen. This way, we're able to help our customers not pay really high prices on freight. This whole time, every time we have these freight bills come in, we charge exact freight to the penny. We don't mark it up at all. We actually lose money on freight because a lot of people right. pay with credit card. We're paying 3% right. on that. Yeah. So we're, we're losing we 3% on lose, these freight, yeah. freight charges. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's that's kind of been our experience so far, and the freight prices are high. So you'll get a better price on freight. And secondly, whenever you have questions about freight, what's happened is you'll email me or John and, hey, guys, I placed an order a week ago. Do you have tracking? Well, then we email our person at our blender. It takes them a day or two to get back to us. They email us, then we email you. And then you're like, well, I need to have it diverted to here. Okay, then we email them. They email the carrier. They email back. We email you. It's going to be a lot easier for you to just call e-shipping or your broker. Hey, what's up with that freight? Oh, it's it's here. Great. Question answered. There's not right. this lag, this two or three day lag that we have right now of getting information. Yeah, the major benefit I see is getting the tracking information very far more efficiently than where we're currently at at the moment. Yeah, tracking and just updates, just to be yeah. able to to make changes. That's going to be a lot better. So anyways, look out for that. That's going to be coming very soon. We're going to have detailed instructions on the checkout page, on the, on the email confirmation you receive. But that's the direction we're going with Kodiak Pro. The last bit of news to talk about is very, very, very soon, we're going to be selling 20-pound pails of the best plasticizer, TBP, that you can order and have shipped with your pallets of Maker Mix or Rad Mix. So they're going to be stocked at our distribution warehouse in Springfield, Illinois, and they can fulfill that order. We're going to be stocking AR glass fiber there, so you can order bags of glass fiber if you do GFRC, and we're working on stocking PVA fibers as well. So those will be shipping. Now, a little... Side note is, for guys that don't know, there is zero margin in fiber. Zero. Not not 1%, not 2%, literally zero margin. There are some guys that have not kept up with the COVID price increases that are still selling fiber on their website for a loss right now because apparently they haven't looked at their invoices and seen that they're getting charged more at a wholesale rate than they're selling at a retail. Those two numbers are almost exactly the same. Once you pay for freight, you're at 0% markup. When you see our our fiber and you look at the price and you look at some other guy's price, you might think, oh, these guys are marking it up. Believe me, we're not marking it up at all. We're, we're no, selling it as a convenience. A convenience. If there's any money to be saved, in my opinion, it, it was solely based on packaging it all together, being shipped out together with the pallet, you know, the plasticizer and the fiber. Hence, there's a saving of that. Uh, but other than that, to anybody listening, no, we are not going to, we can't, there's no room to mark up anything. And yeah. That's just being straight, totally straight. We're carrying fiber so guys can, we can be a one-stop shop. They can place their order online for Maker Mix, a bag of fiber, a pail of TBP. It all goes on one pallet. It ships to you and you save on the freight versus contacting this company for fiber, contacting us for TBP. And it's been shipping from my location in Arkansas. So that's a separate freight charge. 
So we're going to we're going to bundle everything together. But yeah. there's zero margin. And if if people say, "Hey, you know, we're going to buy fiber from this other company because we can get it cheaper." You know, if you take into account freight, I don't think it's going to be any cheaper. I think it's going to be more expensive. But if you say that, that's fine to us. You know, if if it's an item that people aren't interested in purchasing, no skin off our back. We actually pay a storage fee at our warehouse for them to store it. So the longer it sits, the more money we lose. So if it's not in demand, we'll stop carrying it. But if it's something that you do want to buy, we're going to stock it here very shortly, test it out, see how it goes. And again, it's purely a convenience for our customers to make it easy for them to right. get everything they need on one pallet. So that's the news of the week. Do you have anything you want to add, John? No. Not at all. Okay, okay then. Perfect. Well, let's Edgar get Edgar on. Martinez. We're here with our guest this week, Edgar Martinez of Edgy Studio. Hello, Edgar. What's going on, Brandon? Yeah, Edgar, it's been a minute, dream. Man. How's it going? Good to hear from you. Good to hear from you guys. I think I saw you guys last uh, at the, uh, what was it, August class? Or no, that was October. No. Where was it? Tennessee or in Arkansas somewhere. Yeah, the last class we held here was the spring class, I think February. Oh, that's right. That was here. Did you come to that class? I was, remember? I was cool. uh, I was the grill master. You were the grill master, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So that was a sweet location. That was a sweet was. Airbnb. Yeah. Dusty rented this cabin here in Eureka Springs, and it's pretty much right in town, but you would have felt like you're a million miles away. It was in this ravine in this wooded hollow, this really cool cabin. And I don't know, him and a few different guys were staying there. I think you were one of, one of the people yeah. staying there. But every yeah, night, me, Tommy. yeah, that was the party spot. And we'd all go there. And Edgar was grilling on the grill with his headlamp on. And there was beer and whatever else was there. Who knows? Yeah, it was a great time. It was time. just a really, yeah, really good time. What's new with you, Edgar? Um, not a whole lot, man. I've been kind of back in town. I know um you know, I was working with Dusty there for a while, been going back and forth. And so finally, I've been here in town for oh, probably like three months now. Trying when you say in that. town, where are we talking about? Uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'm from Indiana, okay. Northeast Indiana. Very cool. So you end up, did you pick up a space? Are you working out uh, of your garage? What are you yeah, doing? I'm working out of my garage. It's a two-car garage, and then I got some... Uh, some patio space that's under a roof out in the back. Good for you. Been making you know, it work with that, days. man. I miss those days. I, I, I think we talked earlier. I mean, I when I first started this, you know, I was working out of a single bay of a three-car garage. And, you know, overhead was low, did a lot of really cool projects out of there, learned a lot of good lessons out of there. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, Sometimes getting yeah, no, big, it's, it goes beyond you. So good for you. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It keeps me organized. And, uh, you know, I got it all laid out, too. I got my little uh, batching station, the way out, all the stuff for forming and stuff. So, yeah, it's awesome. nice. I look forward to a bigger shop, but there's definitely no stress with, you know, having to pay for a shop or anything. It's just my mortgage. You worked with Dusty quite a bit. How did that happen, and how much have you worked with him? Because it seems like all the photos he posts, Edgar's there in the shop yeah. or on the, on the installation. 
Yeah, man. Uh, so pretty much 2019, I took all of your classes. And then at the end of the last one, I remember asking you, because I kind of knew already at that point that I wanted to get some more exposure, constant exposure to it. And I asked you about, you know, having an apprenticeship opportunity. And you're the one that actually suggested Dusty. And uh, he's in Tennessee, so that's only like seven hours. I say only seven hours, but I'm actually tired of that drive. And so I went over there in March, March of 2020, and then I ended up doing, I think it was supposed to be one month unpaid, and then COVID happened. And so uh, I ended up going back to Indiana just to pretty much talk to my boss, and I told him that I wanted to do another month. So that was uh, two months that I did, uh, actually two months, and like a part of May, that was our first time over there, my first time, and then... uh, I went back to Fort Wayne, sold a couple jobs, and then he ended up reaching out to me saying he was super busy again. All in all, man, it's been like a year and a half of going over there, back and forth, and occasional breaks in between. So I'd come home for like three weeks sometimes, and you know, depending on what kind of workload I had. It's been awesome. He kept me employed for the most part, just while I was trying to figure out the material. Well, I know he wants to hire you full-time. Every time I talk to him... <laughs> Yeah, man, he's gonna make we, an honest, honest man out of you. Yeah, yeah. No, we we were grooving, man. I could tell. I could tell the value I was bringing, and you know, it's kind of hard to get that type of repetitiveness when you don't really have that many jobs coming in. So that was perfect having that opportunity. He stays super busy. A lot of production. yeah, 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 for sure. And uh, even just seeing the like the way his shop was set up. Uh, it kind of gave me some direction with, you know, how I wanted to do things back at home. Are you, I mean, you're doing a, a one man show I, at your place. Yeah. 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 For the most part, it's me. I have a roommate. I usually just have him help me. Like whenever I'm flipping pieces, just stuff like that. But most of the forming and whenever it's time to just pour mud, I, I do that, do that by myself. And then, you know, install days, I use uh, some friends help as well. Being a one-man show, working out of your garage, what's been the biggest struggle you faced? Just maneuvering pieces. I honestly think that's that's about it. I tried having some friends, you know, stand by and watch me mix and just kind of waiting for them to try to offer a hand. But it's just kind of, it's easier when when they don't have as much exposure to it. So mostly just handling pieces. That's That's where I usually use help. Working in a small space hasn't been a challenge. You've kind of figured figured out workarounds. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've had like, I've had three kitchens going at once, and so that's a challenge, just moving things out of the way. But like I said, I got that little back patio space. Handling carts became an issue at some point, so I had to fabricate a steel cart. And uh, there's a local stone fabricator guy in town that actually sold me a couple carts. What tools do you use in a small space? What's your saw set up? What's uh, your mixer set up? So I have a I have a miter saw. Um, and then I have a table saw that I usually have to wheel out of the like some storage space in the backyard. But I also have the track saw. So I use the Festo track saw for all of my uh, two-inch rips. Yeah, the table saw is nice too. But, you know, it's always nice not having to take it out. Yeah. Especially if it's a portable right yeah yeah oh yeah you just can't get steady with that no i I man i that was one of the awesome things about you know working with dusty it's like dude his shop is so impressive so 
that was kind of cool. But I'm also not pumping out as much as he does, so I can do with a fast tool. You know, usually figure out how much I need. All I've used is a fast tool for the last since 2006 or seven. I got Mm -hmm. rid of. I had a cabinet saw. I had a Delta cabinet saw. I don't know, like a five horse or six horse or I don't know. It was the biggest one I made. It was huge. I was scared to death. I worked by myself all the time. I scared to death of that thing kicking back and doing some serious damage. And I got a fast tool. And back then, like. 2006 Festool was around, but not like it is today. Like it was still very boutique, very few people right. sold it. It was hard to find stuff, European blades, you, you know, it was, it was difficult, but mm-hmm. I made the switch. I've used it ever since. Love it. Love it. Festool, great saw. Bosch makes one now. DeWalt makes one now. Makita makes That's one now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're all comparable as far as mm-hmm. quality these days. The only one that looks kind of hokey is the Craig setup. That one looks great. Right. For, uh, for a two-car garage, and hell, I probably don't have the best dust extraction, but the Festool is awesome for that, for uh, their vacuum systems. I bought that from probably the first class I took with you guys, and honestly, there, was no, there wasn't much direction at you know, at which way I wanted to go with, so I ended up buying John's suggestion for the Palm Sander. Uh, the Merca? You know, I was like, yeah, the Merca. Well, I bought the Festool one. The 125, gotcha. Or 150, I think. So I pretty much just, I kind of went all in when I first took those few classes. So I ended up buying a bunch of randomness. And uh, the Festool miter saw is one that I use pretty much all the time. And then I bought an Imer 120. That's also like pretty much gotta have it. That's yeah, my next question. 120 plus. Yeah, I mean, especially when, the, when yeah. you went to the plus, the the stronger motor. Oh, yeah. Hands down. Yeah, I think I use that 80% of the time now. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, yeah, in fact, I, I think I'm getting ready to sell one of my 240s. So I just don't use them anymore. I use that yeah. 120 plus all the time. Yeah. Go ahead. Didn't you burn yours up running it backwards, John, I did. constantly? Oh, or you did too. I think John I burned did. up my I burned up my column mix for the longest time. I was just using a hand paddle, man, beating the hell out of it. Yeah. Gotcha. And that's when I was, it was actually during a job. And so that was just kind of like, oh shit. Well, hang on. So, what materials were you using at that time? Because oh, we're going to get to that. Oh. After that, people, <laughs> after that, everybody was like, wait, you've been blending ECC with a column mix. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I have. Because that's yeah. what I was going to say, man. The, the one thing I love about the materials I'm using now is I can't. I was just in a situation where doing a cast in place project. I think I even posted this on the one of the web pages, and mm-hmm. I made a mistake in my in my measuring. Well, a mistake in what I put it in my spreadsheet, and right. I was off. And you know, I, I have a 360 for when we do cast in place. The project I thought called for six bags. You know, the water, the fiber, the whole nine yards. Blended everything else. It was beautiful. And I, you know, that sinking feeling when, <laughs> and my brother's helping me, this is a Sunday and he comes in and first my son, who's 13 summertime. So he's helping me on some stuff. He's like, Hey dad, I, uh, that's the last of the mix. And you know, my first thing is yep. turning him like, boy, don't you talk like that. <laughs> that's not funny. That can't be right. Yeah. yeah and sure enough, uh, he's like, Oh yeah, sorry. You know? And then I go walking outside and I'm like to my brother, I'm like, hey man, how much mixes? He goes, Oh, that's it. I'm like, oh my God, you gotta mm-hmm. I have five feet left of this project to finish up. Yeah. So I boogied down to the shop. Long story short, 
I mean, I'm not putting two bags in an Eimer 360, you know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. doubled right. both bags in a 15-gallon muck bucket, pulled out the Colomex single paddle. And I'm telling you what, with that and the TVP, it mixed up so yeah. quick. It I was ridiculous. Tell, yeah. The mixing is so much better with that, with that maker mix, for sure. Yeah. And I, I, so I'll keep my back. story going. So Brandon and I have known each other for a long time, right? And there are times when, over the years, the two of us, you know, jokingly will give each other a little grief. And we were at one of the get-togethers back when we had Epic in Georgia. And I'll never forget this because for me, this is one of those occasions where, so anyway, I, I'm mixing up some of the original Wait, what, materials. One of the occasions where what? I was right? Just yeah. say it. Well, you were <laughs> right. right. There's no question. Don't forget that. So, <laughs> you know, so I'm sitting This is recorded, now, by the way. This is recorded. Everybody's like, so, you know, there's a bunch of people there. Um, Some materials got blended up. I was trying to QC it right then and there. Clearly some mistake was made in the blending. So I'm over there just beating the snot out of myself. Right. Right. And next thing, you know, wet pouring off his head. Oh my God. You know, John. And and of course, you know, everything, nobody knows the emotion going inside because I'm kind of in freak yeah. out mode, you know, like what, <laughs> what is going on here, you know? Right, right. So just then Brandon comes walking over and I thought <laughs> this is those one of the moments he was going to give me grief. And I snapped at him because, and he was just being honest, you know, he's like, Hey man, Hey, um, so is ECC that hard to, to mix up or something? <laughs> I'll be, I don't even remember what he said, but I remember yeah. I had fire in my eyes because everything between the panic and the frustration and the oh my this is in front of a whole yeah. group of people and what yeah, mistakes 40 people I can imagine. Oh. Yeah, no, I so can I remember, imagine. I looked at Brandon yeah. and I just snapped at him like, man, don't you that and then he goes walking off and I had to go back and apologize to him later for being a <laughs> jerk. But anyway, I'll never forget that. My point being is even under the perfect conditions, that particular mix can give be a bit of a a booger to mix up by yeah. hand. So kudos. To he you. was impossible. John, yeah, no, I don't think, John, I don't think it ever went well. I think I was always chasing the mix. I think I was yeah, always like, yeah. Oh, let's add more plasticizer. And so, yeah, even in just the quality of the looks and it was never great. Yeah. In the class, John always tell people, Oh no, you can hand mix ECC. Like so yeah. calm <laughs> and nonchalant. Oh right? no, no. Right. I was just, I just, you liar. You can't hand mix ECC. That stuff is, <laughs> Horrible to yeah. hand mix. You yeah. have to have I don't know how timer. I don't know how you do it. Probably by mi- mixing like a hundred pounds at a time or something. I don't know. You've seen John. I think that John's like a gorilla. Yeah. He's like Sports class, that guy. Yeah, no, oh his arms are like the size of my legs, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. no, even then, yeah, only fifty pounds at a time. If we set up, you know, no, that that would be it. If if we had to start from otherwise that particular mix, uh, Imer, you know, mixer yeah. is the way to do it. Yeah, no question about it. Hand mixing uh, was a workout. No question about it. Yeah, no, it always was. Those are those things, man. Like I said, I'm not, I don't really have it all figured out. I've always been a student. And so it was just one of those hard-earned lessons. Here's what I would say, because the conversation about tools in a small shop is a good one, especially for the guys listening, the guys and gals. Yeah. people listening to this podcast is a lot of them work in small spaces and knowing the most important tools is a good thing to discuss for me 
personally, I could go anywhere in the world with tools in the backseat of my truck and do what I do. That would be a festival yeah. track saw or any track saw, any brand of track saw, a handheld Columix X06 mixer, which is their bigger one, single blade. Yeah. I'm a fan of the single blade. I do not like the double blade. It's okay yeah. for PVA fibers. It destroys yeah. glass fiber, and I do triple FRC. So mm-hmm. single blade. Yeah. And a hanging digital scale, which – you know, you can pick those up on Amazon or these places for a hundred bucks, a good quality digital hanging scale. So I can batch everything precisely and a Craig pocket screw yeah. jig, yeah, yeah. just one you get at Lowe's. You don't have to have the, I have the foreman, which is kind of the big one that that's permanent, but you could have mm-hmm. the little handheld one, which I have a few yeah, of those yeah. and put that, put that in your truck. I could take those four things anywhere in the world and build world-class concrete pieces mm-hmm. using those tools. You don't need, uh, you know, God bless Dusty. His shop is phenomenal, yeah. but you don't need those tools to do what we do. No, that just don't. makes it easy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. That was one of the things that was really attractive about pursuing this thing. You know, it's like you don't need too much, too many tools. You just need the right tools. Yeah. Um, you could invest a thousand bucks and have everything you need to get started. Mm-hmm. If you invested 2000, you'd have top of the line. You'd have, yeah. you know, Festool dust extraction. Mm-hmm. You'd have a really good Craig. Yeah. But you don't need those things. You can get by with no, no. the Makita track saw and, and a yeah. lower quality handheld mixer. There's a few different brands. I'm trying to think of the the main one that we always see at World of Concrete. What's that company, John? I've been stuck. Yeah, I've been stuck. Yeah. Is okay. cheaper than than Mix. They're supposedly good. I've tested them. I've gone to World of Concrete and they have a booth set up and you can play with them in, in buckets mm-hmm. of sand and you know feel the torque and they feel good. But anyways. There's equivalents to all these tools that are lower cost, yeah, yeah. that are good quality. And you could get into this for a thousand bucks in tooling and invest in quality training, which we'll talk about training in, the, in a minute, and then get good quality mix and be turning out really high quality work in a very yeah. short amount of time without a big, no huge investment. Right now, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Well, to add to that, though, I'm going to tell you, you know, I, as you guys know, we've talked over the years. You know, the, the sanders that I've gone through from the Merco, which are great fine finishing sanders, to the Festool, the Rotex sanders, that would be the only, if someone needed a sander, that would be my go-to for a sander. Yeah. And I yeah, have yeah. that set up with the Rotex, you know, and the vacuum and the whole nine yards. And yeah, I mean, those things are, those those Rotex are a powerhouse. Yeah, I, I agree. The price so is scary, but they, yeah. yeah, they eat up. They definitely rip through some stuff. Absolutely. Tools and equipment, we we covered that. Mix, it doesn't matter what mix you used before, but you made a switch to Maker Mix. Why did you make the yeah. switch to Maker Mix? Uh, because that's what we did uh, in Dusty's shop. So the whole first three months or so, we were mixing the other kind. He had his, you know, his uh, set of procedures, and we would load up our our plasticizer and we'd always end up following it with some more. Usually it was like liquid. I think it was one of the classes where you guys like took out that new mix and we gave it a try. And once, once we poured enough with it, man, it's just what we went with. No longer had to keep sand or Portland in the shop. And that was, uh, I just didn't want to, you know, deviate from, from what I was comfortable with. That's what I've been using. And you've been happy with it? Yeah, yeah, man. It's, it's pretty brainless work. You just, you know, follow the instructions. It's always been pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. So if I'm if I'm hearing you right, you're saying that you having less 
less apt to chase it. If I'm using yeah, the yeah, right for word, sure. Right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think a lot of times, depending on how much ice we were using, we would just kind of like you know load up uh, a little bit over half the uh, dry mix, and we kind of get ahead of it. And then after that, you can just open a new bag, dump it in, and there's not much tweaking. It takes off here. a lot, a lot. Yeah, it takes off pretty quick, but if you're ready for it, yeah, it's good. Which is good for most guys. the The speed for, of it is a benefit, mm-hmm. and that's something that is designed into it. Because what we don't yeah. want to do is be waiting six, eight hours to mm-hmm. be able to get on it and do what we need to do. Carve edges yeah. like you guys do, or Cutting hand backs. trial like John. Yep, does. yep, yeah, yeah. We flush cut the backs of them, and that is probably done in like three hours. We're usually cutting backs. Yep. Way before so you don't have to wait till till mm-hmm. midnight. What's been your experience with training? You came to Concrete Design School class. Did you take any other classes? No, no, no. That was the first one. At the time, man, I was just kind of fed up with my previous job, which you know I was doing flat work, building gas stations for like seven years, doing concrete. So I mean, there was always I've always enjoyed it. And so I started kind of looking into like, man, I kind of wanted to focus on learning a new skill. And uh, I found you guys, took your first class. I really didn't know anything, honestly, but it was awesome. Just kind of like, I think, I think whenever I got to see like some of the work that was at your shop in Arkansas, there was uh, the sinks, the benches, and there was just like an evident change in like that concrete versus, you know, like your flat work and stuff. So you came to class, you left when you left. What did you do initially after training? Did you start your company? Did you go back to work doing flat work? And yeah, just kind of no. Played around yep. with it. Yeah, yeah. It was just, uh, it was, I just, it was just a little quick little view at what it could be. I met your, well, you know Joseph. Joseph, Joseph uh, was at your first class, and he had talked me into asking you for the uh, sink mold that we had did. We had done that class. That was that was pretty cool for me. And it, it almost felt like breaking comfort and asking you, you know, I was like, yo, let me let me get that sink mold. And his plan was like, yo, you're going to go back, try to fabricate this mold and then that'll pay for your next class. And that was the plan. I was uh, I he, I don't know. It's just something about it. He seemed like he he really as a maker, I think he really thought that there was value to taking that that post tension class. So I went back home. It was probably a couple months in between your classes that year. And I was still employed. I was working for like a remodeling company, mostly carpentry work. I was navigating through a marketplace, a Facebook marketplace, just trying to post some advertisements for countertop work. And that's most of the work I did. I didn't start my company until August. So there was probably six, seven months of just doing work like that so what was your first pain project little kitchen job was probably like 32 square feet warm gray it was a local builder he's a young guy too so i was able to slide into his dms and i'm like hey man what if you do some countertops you know so i talked him into it hey girl yeah he loved it man he 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 loved the the feel of them then i did uh i think a sink for a couple that are like from town and they've came back and they've had me do like a custom vanity for them as well. What have you found important to you that that's helping to build your business? 
for advertising in your area. Yeah. I mean, how are you, what did you find ways of, you know, getting hold of new work? What's, yeah. What is working so, for you, I guess, is what I'm mar- mar- Marketplace has worked out great. So, you know, you boost some posts, you, I don't know, it's like 12 bucks or whatever, and you get a bunch of views. So you get a bunch of people that reach out interested. And so I think that's, that counts for something, you know, if you like, if you really do well with that conversation, you might get something. Recently, though, that's I've kind of I've made posts and I just don't get the same reaction. So now I'm leaning more towards meeting designers and builders in person. I had to do a sample kit just so that I could have like a conversation piece. And so, yeah, man, I I've, I think word of mouth. There's been a few jobs that have come from one guy really loving the job I did for him. And he's referenced a couple of his coworkers. So have you experienced any type of burnout to date with concrete yeah yeah i did man we were going so heavy in tennessee there was uh and not even no exaggeration we were probably working 12 hour days with dusty and then i'd go up and eat dinner with them and i was working on some projects that i had going on in indiana so i think some days i was stopping at like 2 a.m 3 a.m and so between the long days between working down in Tennessee for like two weeks at a time and then coming home and trying to do installs from jobs that I was doing over there or just um, even just things around the house. That's that's always that's never really stopped. So, yeah, I experienced some burnout and that was my little uh, two week trip that I took two weeks ago. That was that was my withdrawal. I needed to kind of like back up for a little bit. But before that, it was just it was definitely a boss to the wall. Tell us about that trip. I saw on Instagram that you went on a crazy yeah. hiking trip and there was forest fires going on. Yeah. Where'd you go? What'd you do? So it's Lake Tahoe. It's uh, nestled in between California and Nevada. It's a 172 mile trip and you circumnavigate around Lake Tahoe. We did it in 11 days. So we were trying to keep like a 20 mile a day pace. On some days we had 12 miles. That was the first two days. But then after that, we pretty much picked it up. And uh, yeah, there was some some smoke. So that was part of the part of the challenge. It was a good time. And I that was last minute. That was a last minute decision. I ended up inviting myself with a buddy of mine. That was it, man. Came back. I had some some uh, tendonitis after doing that i was trying to make it up north to uh yosemite but i just you know after 11 days i was just kind of so ready to be home that brings me Mm -hmm. to my last topic for this podcast is we have the training class coming up november 1st through 6th the pinnacle concrete camp with me john and dusty Dusty. teaching for six days nice are you coming down for that edgar Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to figure out if I got to invite myself or is Duff, if Dusty's going to ask me, but I, I oh, assume I I'm going to be over there. A given. I think it's a given. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It kept me busy last time. So yeah, I try to be yeah. there and I always love those things. It's cool to just hang out with like like minded people and just the networking that comes with it. It's always good. That time of year, it's beautiful. The leaves mm. are right at the very tail end of falling, but it's nice, crisp evenings. You know, great for sitting around a campfire. It's it's really beautiful time of year. It's always a, a good proximity from uh, Crystal Bridges too. So there's like a lot of it stuff is. you can do around there. 
Yeah. And, you know, even though COVID is still going on, really Northwest Arkansas, you wouldn't know it. All mm-hmm. the restaurants are open. All the bars are open. Crystal Bridges is open. The Momentary, which is the Museum of Modern Art that Crystal Bridges opened. Mm-hmm. It's open. Everything is open. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I still I still practice social distancing. I wear a mask if I'm in a crowded space. I'm vaccinated. You know, come November, people come in here. We'll have a good time. There's a lot to do. You know, play it no, safe. Yeah. No doubt. Don't be crazy, but but there's a lot to do here for sure. Well, guys, I think we came to an ending point. We're going on, on almost an hour right now, so it's a good place to end. Nice. Edit that, yeah, man. Make ed- me sound good. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to seeing you in November. If yeah, I'll see you guys in November, yeah. man. Hey, Brandon, don't it. forget to uh, update that, that PayPal invoice. Yeah. Edgar bought mm-hmm. a palette of maker mix today and he's going to get a bag of tbp added to it so i got to get that out to you yeah and uh yeah so you're gonna get the new bags the printed bags which dusty had them but yes. they're rad. i drank i drank the kool-aid I drank the kool-aid <laughs> well that was good kool-aid it tastes really good and it won't kill you <laughs> it tastes like blueberries there you go <laughs> awesome all right buddy we'll I'll see you in all right guys yeah yeah we'll all see right, you good bye. talking to you edgar talk to you later bye john bye.